Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Are you enjoying this average winter? That's what they're saying in Cleveland. That's where I live in the Cleveland area. And they say, you know, folks, this is actually an average winter for us. And I just think at home, please shut up. I know that's not love, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, you know, this time of year, very exciting with football. Um, next week is Super Bowl Sunday, or as we in Cleveland call it, Passover. It's a holy occasion for us, and uh, looking forward to being a part of that. Um, your pastor mentioned that I have a ministry that I lead called Monumental Ministries. It's all about the Old Testament concept of when God did something great in your life, you built something. You would build uh, an altar, you pile up some rocks, and it would remain there so that in future generations, people could say, why is that there? And the older generation could say, that's the place where God did this. And we all need those places in our life. Because if you're like me, I get amnesia quite quickly, and I have to revisit the monuments that God has built in my life to remember his faithfulness. So that's what we're all about in this ministry, is trying to facilitate kind of memory-making moments in people's lives. So uh, my website address is there. If you'd like to check that out, I have like six books that are available. Uh, they're also on Amazon, too, if that's your thing. Um, and then I'm really unique in the sense that I'm only one of two billion people who started a podcast recently. And, uh, uh, but we really tailor, it's called the Matcast. Um, it's all one word. And, but we tailor it towards creative Christians. And uh, those of us who, who come to church all the time, but maybe we're really creative sometimes, it's, it's hard for those two worlds to fit together sometimes. And so we try to address uh, those issues on the podcast. We try to have a lot of fun uh, along the way. So you can just search Matt Cast one word on your platform of choice. This morning, we are headed to Luke chapter 8. So if you have your, your phone, your Bible app handy, or you've got the uh, old school print, uh, Luke chapter 8. Uh, I guess we all have our limits. Uh, as wonderful and as vibrant as we wish to be in Christ, uh, we do our best to be accommodating and polite. Um, I think most of us reach a point where we don't like the feeling that we're getting pushed around. And when we feel like we're getting pushed around, sometimes it's not our best moment. Uh, how many awful stories have begun with this line? It all started with a simple oil change. And there I was one morning getting my oil changed in the waiting room when suddenly the employee walks in with the clipboard. Beware the clipboard, my friends. And he sat next to me and began rattling off a list of about eight things, even though I do, I will say myself, a great job of keeping my car maintained. He starts rattling off a list of eight things that need to be addressed on the car, each of them at least $200. And uh, I kind of felt like I was getting pushed around, like they thought they had a live one. And finally, I just said, are my car mats okay? Do we need to switch those out too? And uh, that was a little sarcastic, so not a good moment for me. But we just don't like the feeling that we're getting pushed around. And, and there are times in life we feel like life is kind of beating us up. 
and we feel like we have to respond. I mean, with all the COVID stuff for the last two years, it feels like a game of whack-a-mole. But I'm the mole. I peek out, and I'm like, is everything okay? No. Poof. Get back in there. Put that on. Poof. Stay far away. Poof. You know, and you're just like, okay, I'll do it. And it can, it can get very frustrating in life. Uh, this morning, we're going to get to know, I think, one of the most unique healings in the ministry of Jesus. Um, most of the time when Jesus healed, it was someone he came across, somebody who was brought to him. But this healing was quite different. And it involves a woman who felt like she was getting pushed around. Uh, the King James says that she had an issue of blood. She was in a permanent state of bleeding. An issue of blood. And she suffered for 12 years. And she tried to, everybody and everything and everyone's advice and nothing worked. But she had heard that this guy Jesus was coming to her town. You know, this woman had an issue of blood, but we've all got issues. And by that, I don't necessarily mean just things that temporarily come up. I mean, there are perpetual things for all of us. There's maybe one or two things that are an issue. And as far as we, we feel like we distance ourselves from them maybe a little bit, but then, boy, here it comes around the bend again. And we feel like we're, we're never going to get past this issue. And sometimes it can feel like we're getting pushed around, that nothing is working. It's persisted maybe for years but maybe, maybe 2022 will be the year that we bring the issue to the Lord and we find victory. Because I want to say it from this pulpit, he wants you to have victory. But getting to him won't be easy. There's a reason it's been in our lives for a long time. So would she give up in the face of all those odds? Or would she find a way? Let's find out from the scripture in Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 42. This is later in the chapter. Luke 8, 42. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me. Don't you love that line? For I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Well, the title of the message this morning is When Push Comes to Shove. I once heard a Wednesday night Bible teacher say this next line, and I never forgot it. Sometimes we have to shove our way to Jesus. Sometimes we have some obstacles in our life that we can't necessarily easily get around or dig under. we got to shove it aside in order to get to the Lord 
And some of us have had some real obstacles. So what do we do with those? How do we, how do we get there to find the healing that the Lord wants us to have? Well, the great thing is that he's helping us in this. We're not on our own. But here's some things we need to do. Number one, we need to get rid. There might be some things we need to get rid of if we hope to receive everything Christ has for us. Now listen, what I'm going to talk about here isn't what you expect. There are probably more obvious things, behaviors and habits that need to be submitted to Christ. But here, I'm speaking more of habits and attitudes that we often carry that I think inhibit us from making our way to the Lord at all. So when we're talking about getting rid, let's start with we need to stop playing the victim. I want to say this because this is as controversial as it gets. There is nothing in our culture in America today higher on the pyramid than a victim. And if you're not one, you haven't looked long enough yet. You're a victim of something. And you better tell everybody what a victim you are. And that needs to become who you are. And that's the problem. There are a few things more dangerous than when someone believes themselves to be the perennial victim. They get onto this carousel of pain and self-inflicted wounds, doing the same things over and over again, believing they bring different results. They live off the sympathy of others and almost seem to enjoy putting themselves in a position where they can be hurt or mistreated. Things happen to us, and I don't want to minimize that. I know there are people in this room, you have been through abuse or neglect. You have been mistreated. You have been hurt. You've been treated unfairly. But I want to say it strong this morning. We don't have to become what happens to us. Things are going to happen to us. They don't have to become who we are. There is a difference between things happening and, and allowing them to become our identity. You know what's funny for the chronic victim? The worst thing that can happen to them is for them to get better. Because now they don't know who they are anymore. And so they have to keep it going. I remember I, I had a, a young man in my youth ministry a long time ago, and every Wednesday night we'd take prayer requests, and he would ask for us to pray for his dad because his dad didn't know the Lord. And he would bring that up every single Wednesday. And about three years later, a funny thing happened. His dad gave his life to the Lord. And that young man never came back to the youth group again. Like, whoa, wait, what happened? It's because he had become the kid with the unsaved dad. And so when he wasn't that anymore, he didn't know who he was. Are we determined to always be the jilted lover? The guy who is underestimated? The woman that no one talks to? If so, we'll make sure it happens in order to keep our victim status. So this woman had a choice to make. Twelve years she had suffered with this. And she could have allowed herself to become her physical condition. And then isolate herself and just say, I guess this is the way it is. Or she could realize that the Lord might have a better life for her. We need to stop playing the victim. The other thing we need to get rid of is this. We need to stop looking to people 
before looking to God. I think we're all guilty of this. It's a nasty habit we Christians adopt. We don't even realize it. It's amazing how often we make prayer our last resort, like they do on TV shows. I don't know why we consult everyone on God's green earth before we consult the one who made the green earth. If people are more accessible to us than God, boy, what does that say about us? This woman we find out in the book of Mark, the same story is told in Mark 5. She had spent all her money on doctors who couldn't do a thing for her. Mark 5.26 says, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no, uh, no better, but rather grew worse. I think it's okay. There's nothing wrong when someone's facing surgery and someone probably is in this room this week. Before we pray for the Lord to guide the surgeon's hands, can we pray to the great physician that they heal supernaturally before you get wheeled in? Can we believe for that again in the body of Christ? Now look, the Lord might say, yep, it's going to be surgery and you're going to bring glory to me by how I take you through this. Great. Can we at least give God a chance? Can we at least believe in this stuff again to see what he might have in store? But as wonderful as we believe the people around us to be, they cannot give us the wisdom and the power and the advice that God can. And sometimes, boy, God will just do some crazy things that make sense to nobody in your life. How many of you can relate to that? But we'll never know that unless we ask him. Because when we get the crazy thing, what we think is crazy, if we're not consulting with God, other people might unwittingly talk us out of it. Because it won't make sense. We're like, okay, I don't think. You know, the numbers just don't add up. I don't. Have you thought this through? God is the thinking through. And if he says it. And that's why we have to go to him first. And we need to get rid of those, those couple of things in order to make our way to Jesus with our issue. Number two, we need to get past We need to get rid, and secondly, we need to get past. So this woman resolves that no matter how difficult it's going to be, somehow she's going to get to him. She believes in her heart if she can only get a hold of him, even his clothing, that she will be healed. Folks, I call that faith right there. That's faith in the right place, that even the stuff he's wearing is good enough because it's him i love that about her it's faith in the right place but she's got to get through a mammoth crowd in order to get to him if you've ever been in a situation like that when you've left a, a big event maybe it was a, a a pro sports game or even like a school event and you've been on the wrong side and you're like i'm trying to get there and 15,000 people are headed here. And now you're a salmon, right? And you're like, I don't think I'm going to go upstream that far. How intimidating that must have been for her. It's hard to maneuver. It's almost impossible, especially when you're trying to push your way to the front. So who or what do we need to get past? And maybe politely in the love of Jesus, shove aside in order to get to the Lord. Number one, 
people who want us to stay the same. I want to be clear about something here. These folks aren't, I'm not saying they're evil. Many of them just have this very fixed understanding of who we are. So anything that changes that or to them contradicts that can be rather confusing for them. And that, that doesn't have to be people who are even close to us. They can include people who know us professionally. People attend the church here with us. I, I just think it's tough for people to see us in any other light than the one that's cast for us by others. I, I remember at the age of 40, when the Lord really like brought a big transition in my life, and suddenly I, I was unemployed. And I'm thinking, well... Lord, here I am. I'm an Assemblies of God minister. I'm 40. According to the unofficial written rules, I'm supposed to become a senior pastor now. Because that's what you do when you're 40, you know, if you can do it. I mean, I guess that's what I don't know. And I'd be praying about it, but, you know, I wasn't filled with any kind of passion or desire. I know you're like, are you a Christian? I'm just telling you. I'm trying to follow the Lord here. And it, there was never anything about it that really, I was like, oh, man. I could just get the chance. But what excited me was being creative for the Lord. And so I told all my friends, hey, I'm going to start this little ministry thing. This is when the uh, Great Recession hit in 2008. Uh, exquisite timing. The Lord has funny timing. And I would tell people this, and they would go, oh. <laughs> Have you ever gotten that look before? <laughs> You're like, this is what the Lord's telling me. And they go, they don't know what to say next, you know, and you're like, I get it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's tough because that was a, that was such a change from how people had seen me that they just couldn't quite wrangle it. And so there's a temptation to say, okay, I don't know what I was thinking. That was stupid. I'll just, I'll just follow along. Folks, that we have to push past that because people don't know our walk with Christ. They don't. They love us. They pray for us. They do cheer us on, but they don't know what we and God know. And that's why we have to keep pushing through. But then there are those who refuse to grow or refuse for us to grow. And I'm not sure what the motivation might be, but it can be very harmful to us. You know, I often see this in families that perpetually have a poverty mindset. And it can become the unofficial, official family system that everyone now must abide by. And if someone should begin to excel in some way or even hint at choosing a different path, it's amazing how many, I call them heel grabbers, suddenly show up and go, oh, I don't know what you're thinking right now, but that's not going to work. This is where you belong. That's hard. I don't know if it gets harder than that. When it feels like those who should support you the most don't want to be reminded of where they're falling short. And we have to very kindly and politely in Jesus' love push that aside. And it may put us in a situation where we have to choose between a relationship or a friendship and our own growth in Christ. Our own walk with God. The question is, who will we choose? 
you know, I was talking to my best friend one time, and I asked him, what's kind of the biggest deal breaker in any relationship in your life? And he didn't even take any time to think about it. He said, the biggest, the biggest thing is when someone just refuses to grow. I almost feel like if someone comes to me and says, Matt, you're just like the same guy you were 20 years ago. I'd be like, oh, man, I need to run to the altar and, like, repent. I better be better than I was 20 years ago. I better be more like Christ than I was 20 years ago. I better have some things that have fallen off, some chains that are, like, in the dust in my life. Because that, that's really what it's about. This is a process called sanctification, $5 word, but it's very important for all of us. This is what we sign up for when we reach to Jesus and want his life. He says, great, now you're going to become more like me. Come on, let's go. And then in his timing, not in the timing of us, but in the timing of the Lord, he'll say, okay, let's, let's like let that go. And it's tough, right? Because we all think there are certain things that they should let go first. Obvious things, right? You know, you really need to stop that, okay? You're a Christian now. But the Lord will do it because that's what he does. So just let the Lord do that thing and just say, okay, here we go. And then at some point, because see, we don't want people to change their behavior for us because that won't last. We want them to address what the Lord addresses with them, and he'll get to everything. Trust me on that. He'll get to everything. And he'll do his thing. We just got to let God do that and not try to push it. Just let, let that happen. And think about it. If we don't change, they don't have to either. As long as we stay the same, they can be content to do likewise. And we may have to shove our way past those folks for the sake of our spiritual health and life. We also need to get past our insecurities. Now let's, let's put ourselves into the drama here. She's staring down at least hundreds, maybe thousands of people between her and Jesus. Now she's got to start moving. And, you know, maybe after the first 20, the whole, excuse me, pardon me, I'm sorry, excuse me, pardon me, I'm sorry, excuse me, I don't know what I'm doing, excuse me, pardon me, I'm sorry, excuse me, pardon me. Someone's going to say, hey, what do you think you're doing? Who gave you permission to come up here? They'll start saying things like, hey, watch it, lady. Where do you think you're going? You're not allowed up here. What makes you think you can just push your way to the front? I got here early for this spot. That's not fair. You know, it's like when you're in traffic. This happened yesterday. Whew. It's fresh, folks. It's fresh. And when you know there's construction or there's an accident, you're on the highway, right? And you see ahead, you see the little glowing arrow telling you, broop, broop, right? And you're like, here I am, in the correct lane, as instructed by the Ohio Department of Transportation. But then there's those unworthy, awful people who are like, I'm getting up to the arrow. Zoom. And you just, you just want to like, poo, you know, just like poke yourself in front of them and be like, oh, well, let's see you do it now. Right? We get that sense of a lack of fairness. 
Dude, I had people yesterday, they went on the, they went on the, on the median on the right side to get around all of us. You know, like, you know, and they're like, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing right now? Because it just seems so unfair that they were doing this. And any self-respecting person after that would start to get a little insecure at inconveniencing all these people. Some of you got really convicted when I told that story about the arrow. I could just, could like feel that in the room, couldn't you, Pastor? It's like, we should do an altar call right now or something. I'd be glad to lead that. Any self-respecting person would be like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And just start to back away. Like she had crossed the line into rudeness. But when you and I are determined to move toward the Lord, it's going to mean having to make some changes. I found over the years, I've done a lot of ministry in a lot of forums. I was an interim pastor for 10 years. And I would have people come up to me when I was at a church and they would say, you know what we need around here, pastor? We need some change. And I'd look at them and be like, no, you don't want change. Because <laughs> nobody wants change. The only change people want are pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters. It's the only change people really want. We don't like that. We like predictable. We like painless. But there are going to be changes that we have to make, and, and there's going to be changes that other people don't like. And most likely, we're going to hear some awful stuff in our heads. The enemy begins pushing his four favorite buttons. He's not original. Do you realize this? You realize the enemy of our soul, he can't create anything. He can only pervert stuff. He's not original. He just hits the four same buttons because they work in all of us all the time. And he's just hitting the buttons that have worked on us for years and years. Where do you think you're going? Oh, you're so cute when you do that. Remember the last time you did that and how that worked out? You're not allowed over there. That's not for you. That's for God's chosen. You're not qualified. You're too impure. You have too much baggage. You're damaged goods. Nothing's going to change. You are always going to be like this. He's ruthless, isn't he? But can we keep walking and keep pushing and shoving our way past all of those lies? Even though it will force us to confront the enemy's strongholds. And they're called a stronghold because they have a strong hold on us that have worked on us maybe all of our lives. This is a big deal. But the great news we remember from the Word of God is that if we seek Him, we will find Him if we seek Him with all of our hearts. We will find Him because He wants to be found. The last thing, number three, that we need to do with our issues is we need to get ready. Now, Here's what you need to understand. This woman's condition of bleeding made her, according to the laws of the day, religiously, ceremonially, and socially unclean. This would be quite a burden to live under for 12 years. So according to the Jewish laws of the time, this, if this woman touched anyone, she imparted her uncleanness to them. And uncleanness that would not allow that person to take part in, in worship for a season of time, maybe a day or even longer. But also because this, this woman's condition was embarrassing. 
And because she was ceremonially unclean and would be condemned for touching Jesus or even being an oppressing crowd. Think about that. It was all she could do to keep going. So here's what she decides to do. She's like, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I'm going to try not to draw attention to myself. She decides she's going to do, let's call it an ancient drive-by. It's more of a touch-by, I guess you could say. She's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my way forward. I'm just going to like be very, you know, undistinct. And just, and then I'm going to get to her, and I'm like, that's the plan. That would probably be my plan, too. And uh, she didn't openly ask Jesus to heal her because she was probably embarrassed at her state. So she touches the fringe, our scripture says, of Jesus' robe. And the word fringe, which means border, it's the Greek word for the tassel, which male Jews were to wear on the corners of their outer garments. So the woman approached Jesus with great confidence. She wanted to just touch Jesus kind of without touching him. She didn't want to make him unclean, but she wanted to be healed. She believed in the healing power of Jesus, and the border of his garment served as a point of contact for that faith. Okay, maybe it wasn't the most thought-out plan ever, but Jesus didn't care. Aren't you glad we don't have to do everything just right and perfect for Jesus to touch us? So more than anything, her faith was in Jesus. That's what matters, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, we need to get ready because Jesus won't let us be anonymous. So that whole, I'll do it privately, we're off to the side. Mm-mm. Nah, it's not going to. You see, when Jesus does something in you, it's not just for you. When he does something in you, it's for the kingdom. It's for his glory. It's to edify and build up other people around us to hear their story, to see what Jesus does. I remember when I went to Chick-fil-A for the first time. And another, another altar call's coming. I was with my brother, who is mischievous in Christ. And, and he, was, he was telling me kind of, you know, what they do if it's your first time there. And I'm like, not going to happen. So he tells me all this stuff. And I don't know if they do this still today with first-time customers. But I walked in, and somehow my brother must have gotten the attention of whoever was working the cash register. And when I came up, I went, ah. And she grabs this cowbell. First time! First time at Chick-fil-A! Every eye's on me, Right? And that poor girl, I just gave her the stare of death. I just went. And she looks at my brother and she goes, he's going to kill me, isn't he? I'm like, yes. I'm, not, I'm really not the kind of guy who likes to get noticed. I know that seems weird because of what I'm doing right now, but I really don't. That's not a thing for me. And I think this woman just wanted to be very circumspect and just. But the Lord was about to bring out the cowbell. He won't let us get away with being anonymous. Did you see what our scripture said today? When she realized she could no longer be hidden, 
Isn't that an interesting phrase? You and I must make a decision in Christ that we're not going to be hidden. I'm not saying obnoxious. Those are not your two choices. Oh, I could do a sermon series on that. We're not going to just be stealth. We're going to just put ourselves out there and say, I believe in Jesus. He changed my life. And he can change yours. He won't let us be anonymous. And she felt like something's up because Jesus said, who touched me? You can almost hear the record screech in your head, can't you? And everyone's quiet. And she thought, oh, no, now I've done it. This is where I get found out. This is where I get called out. This is where I get shamed. Because she thought the next words coming from Jesus were, how dare you? How many of us, and this was already said prophetically here this morning, how many of us think that your next encounter with Jesus will begin with how dare you? Would you let Jesus surprise you, please? Because he has a different narrative than the one that's been floating in our head for way too long. I know we talk about how when we touch Jesus, we're never the same. Have we ever considered the fact that when we touch Jesus in faith, he is affected too? Who touched me? Someone deliberately, he says. Someone deliberately touched me because I felt healing power flow out of me. How surprised she was about to me to be. And maybe we didn't think it meant anything to him, but folks, it does. When we reach out to him in love and in dedication, he doesn't just keep moving like a politician at a campaign stop. He doesn't just, he, he doesn't just say, I don't know, whatever or let his entourage handle it. He stops and says, who touched me? Because we matter to him. We're not just some nameless form existing on the earth. Of course, Jesus is asking the question, but he knows the answer because he is who he is. But he wanted her to acknowledge that. So lastly, Jesus leaves us better than he finds us. She says, it was me, and here's, here's why I did it. And Jesus surprises her. You know what he didn't say? I healed you. Now he did. Of course he did. But she was a part of the process. Your faith has made you well. And he wanted her to know that. Jesus wanted her to know that she was healed. And by the way, he wanted everybody in the crowd, including any Pharisees or Sadducees that happened to be standing nearby, that she was healed. So no one could pounce and shame this woman. That's the kind of stuff the Lord does for us. It ended her suffering and it ended her shame. And when we get to Jesus with our issue, we won't be disappointed. Did you see what the Lord called her? He didn't say, random woman from the crowd. He calls her daughter she on top of everything else now had a relationship that she didn't have previously folks if you and i are willing if we'll just stop believing that this issue is meant to be and we'll say you know what maybe jesus really wants to do something maybe he wants to free me 
so that I can be a witness and a testimony to the people at my work, to the people in my neighborhood, to the people at school. And I could say, here's what the Lord did. I could never do it. But I got to somebody who did it. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, today, I know we all have issues, things that we've held on to, things that maybe we in our own strength have tried to overcome, and of course, that never works. And maybe we've just given up, and we've said this is as free as we'll be. But today, Lord, you're building faith within us, and I know it's going to mean we have to shove some things aside and maybe make a couple of changes. But Lord, I want your life, not mine. I want to read from your script, not mine. So right now as you're seated here, maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you as a believer in Christ that maybe this is the season in which you bring him your issue. And maybe it's lasted 12 years. Maybe it's lasted 50 years. Can you believe right now that the Lord desires freedom for you. And you're willing, Lord, if it means a thousand people misunderstand me, Jesus, I just want to please you. And Lord, you'll, you'll fix it. When you do your thing, there'll be a lot of people around us that'll say, oh, I see. And then all the glory goes to you. So right now, I'm praying all through the room, that people are saying, Jesus, I'm signing up for this today. I'm signing up. I'm going to get past all this crowd, all these things in front of me because I just want to get to you. Lord, I know you're accessible, but for this issue, I have a lot of things blocking me. And Lord, if I've got to push and shove my way past these things that have laid in me too long, I will do that. Today, will you just say that to the Lord from your seat? Would you just whisper that to the Lord? Jesus, I sign up for that today. Lord, I have faith in you. If I can just get a hold of you. And Lord, I will do whatever it takes to shove my way past all those things that have brought me down for so long. Jesus, right now, I pray for this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you will bring incredible freedom that you will write stories that will be told at Journey Church and all over this area so that people will say, what a mighty God we serve. May it cause people who don't worship you to give their lives to you. Surprise us, Lord, with what you can do again. We come to you with our everything. And I pray you will bring healing in Christ's name.